Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome. I'm Les Bubka and you're listening to Accidental Podcast or something like that. In this episode, I've got a pleasure to talk to Carl Fisher, BJJ exponent, precision self-protection grappling coach. Um, I came across Carl's work a few months ago um, for reading his post, an article on pressure points, uh, which... I agree with mostly um, we talk about it as well uh, but mainly what was very interesting for me it was um, Kaz's story about um, being attacked on the street on the way home uh, and how that went through um, you not often see people from the realms of self-protection and telling about their own failures um, how they froze and and what went wrong uh, I'm gonna save the details for Carl to say it in the uh, uh, interview and uh, yeah it's just uh, refreshing refreshing to hear uh, his thoughts on it um, how he dealt with his trauma um, which that led us to a mental health aspect of sport and dealing with it within the self-protection world um, i think we concluded that the title of it it will be awareness is the key and we just i think it's a, a perfect um, title summarizing our conversation i know that for carl was a bit different because mostly people talk about his bjj um, we covered that a bit as well um, all the grappling but mainly we focus on, on self-protection um, uh, and I hope you're going to enjoy that conversation. Uh, all the links to Carl's work are going to be in the description. Uh, if you enjoy this, uh, if you think that it was valuable uh, and uh, you think that it can help other people, uh, please feel free to share through your social media. That will help the uh, channel to grow. Um, I'm enjoying those podcasts, so I would like to continue, but without listeners, there's no point doing it. Maybe, maybe not. Um, if you would like to support the channel or my men, uh, Karate for Mental Health uh, program, you can buy our merchandise. Uh, so I've got t-shirts, uh, I've got some books of mine for sale on my website. So it's www.lesbubka.co.uk. Um or use our affiliate links, which is no cost to you, but it um, throws some spare change towards the club, which we're gonna need after uh, opening back because uh, our students' um, level dropped down dramatically. So we're starting from the very beginning, from scratch, opening a fresh dojo, and we'll see how it goes. Well, enough me talking. Let's go and speak with Carl. Thank you.
Hi, Carl. How Hello. are you today? I'm fine. Fine, thank you. Yourself? Ah, very good. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, um, uh, pleasure to be on. Pleasure to be on, on board, mate. <laughs> so we uh, met through the online uh, after your article about the um, vital points and such <laughs> chaos. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm still alive. I'm still I'm, alive. Uh, 98% with you on that one. Yeah. So I, I had the pleasure to be actually knocked out by a strike to the uh, pressure point on my chin. It was very strange to be done, but my problem with pressure points are, yeah, they may be working on some people, yeah. um, but you have to be very still, not moving, and yes, all the chances yeah. to people to do it. Yeah, that's that's it. it. the The article came from one of my students, with the lockdown being in, and I said, right, let's have just ask ask me some questions about martial arts and things. And like I say, the first one, one of my students, uh, that had been watching uh, Cobra Kai. Ah, um, in the last <laughs> um, the last um, series. <clears throat> um, um, he had a fight, uh, Daniel LaRusso, mm. in Okinawa with one of his opponents. And it looked like they were doing some like pressure point strikes. He was kind of paralysed. Um, my student just said, oh, I saw that on the telly. And then the, it's the age-old question, do pressure points work? And I said, I'm still alive. I thought I was <laughs> going to get um, slated. But I, 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 I agree, yeah. I've... No doubt that they work on somebody that's standing there. Yeah, no problem. Mm. That's static, but writing it from a from a doorman's point of view, you're very you're not going to get that uh, mm. chance. The person's more times are going to be high on drink or drugs, or the, the adrenaline's flowing. You know, I've seen people with like compound fractures still carry on fighting. You know, the adrenaline can numb pain like you've never seen before. I've seen all, all kinds of horrible horrible injuries and people fighting and they just carry on. So the point I was getting across, I think, to my student, I was saying, yeah, you might have these liver intestine one, all these channels on the body, fine, no no problem. But if you're on the doors, like I said, I'm in Bolton, I used to work in Bolton at North, January, February, very, very cold, bitter. You've got a jumper shirt jacket on, on a, on a person and you're you're in a, a hyped up situation as well. So your your, your body is a dome, and you're going through the adrenaline dump, and everything shuts down, and it's narrow vision. It's going to be very difficult, like for a knuckle, to like hit something that's like the size of a two pence piece through yeah. through a few layers of clothing, you know. But um, and then I said to my the, my student in the article, um, I like to apply pressure, say with an open palm strike to the face, that'll um, latch on, that'll get you a concussive strike. I'll say an elbow to the jaw, that's that's a pressure, that's application of pressure. So that's that's where it came from. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put me um, to penitent and it went down okay. I, you know, the, I got, I say I got to meet you through it and um, I got some old school, um, traditional martial arts people message me and they said, oh yeah, good, good article. You know, I thought I was gonna get, but it wasn't, I wasn't um, hypercritical of anything. I was just putting, 
but in it from my point of view as working as a doorman no it's good it's very difficult yeah i i think the article was very uh, well balanced and and very politely written yeah um, and i think everybody who does uh contact competition is aware how efficient the uh, pressure points are yeah uh, because when you're full of adrenaline you don't have to be in a self-defense situation even in sports you just yeah. uh, go through it you know well i've been yeah, done yeah that, you see so. yeah you see in the ufc you see the the five five minute rounds and there's blood everywhere and yet mm. They've been ground. They've been hit with ground and pound, and they've not been knocked out. Yeah. You know, they've talked. You see, they you know, their face is split, and the blood, there's blood everywhere. You know, and they and they still, you know, carry on fighting. They just missed just just an inch or two away, or a millimeter away from the from the killer punch. And then you'll see some fights. They'll get into ground and pound. They'll have bang bang one two. You know, the guy's been the guy's been to the woman on the. Their opponent's been tagged and out they go. Yeah, you know. Um, so you, you, as your martial arts background, you abandoned karate to move on to the BJJ, and now self protection. Could you give us a brief um, bio of your uh, martial art journey? Yeah, yeah. I, I started in karate. That was way back 1989. There's no really UFC wasn't heard of then or anything, um, and it was either karate, judo, or Thai boxing. I got into that, and then I got introduced into traditional jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. um, with Trevor Roberts in early 90s, so I um, steered down towards that path. I got introduced to the grappling side of things, which helped back me up with the striking skills that, uh, that I'd learned, and that got me into <coughs> uh, judo and sambo. Um, with Trevor and uh, Matt Klempner, he, 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 he run a lot of uh, sambo competitions in the Northwest mm -hmm. in the early 90s. So BJJ was coming in like 93, 94, but it was very much like the Gracie in action videos and uh, like a black market where you trade uh, these jujitsu videos and things. And then obviously the UFC uh, came along and a lot of it was very underground, the BJJ. You know, there wasn't many uh, people teaching at the time in the 90s. You, know, you had like Carly Gracie, I think that was one of the first um, seminars that a lot of people I knew went. I couldn't make it, unfortunately. And then you have Mauricio Gomez came in. You know, I brought his son along, Roger, and, and it grew up from them. And there was like guys like Roger Brookin that I can remember from the early days. And... Um, a lot of the black belts that you see now came over as like brown belts. You know, I remember Braulio Estima uh, came as a brown. I started training with him and Victor Estima, they, they, they were brown belts and, and came. I think Roger came in as a blue belt, if I remember. Uh, he used to come down to London and stuff. So, um, so I stuck with that and then um, got my black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu 2016, so now I'm a, I'm a first degree black belt. Mm -hmm. um, I should get a second stripe, I think the math served me well next year. Um, I got to black belt in karate with Steve Costello, that was with the IBA, with the guy called Phil Milner, who's no longer with us. Um, the International Budo Association. And 
Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got my second down with Trevor. Um, black belt with BJJ. Then 2017, I met up with uh, Gary Hilton. He runs Precision Self Protection, and he's, he's he comes from a striking background. And mm-hmm. um, we just got chatting. We got friendly. We 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 we, we had the same thoughts about self protection, the same ideas and things. And I was more of a grappler, so I said, "Come on board as a like grappling chief grappling instructor." And we teamed up with that. We, we started, we did some seminars last year in February, just before COVID. So we'd had a load of seminars planned, like everybody else. Was, yeah, exactly. We were going to take the world by storm and get this <laughs> going and that going. And then it's all just messed up, you know. Um, I've been trying to run a PSP class in London, but the centre where I've got, obviously, it, it's a community centre, it's been closed and it was open. And then they said, oh, we don't know if we're taking people on. And then we've had these three bloody lockdowns, but fingers crossed, when we come out of this one, um, the people at the centre said, um, I can start running the classes. So, and then whenever if it all goes off in June, like um, the Prime Minister says, you know, Gary and myself will start the seminars going back on and hopefully get on expos and do seminars and, and start teaching. Excellent. Um, so I read that you've done a kind of a nearly everything in a grappling world. So you've done uh, catch wrestling a little bit, sambo, judo, yes. and and BJJ. What yeah. are the, because I, my background is in a kind of uh, Greco-Romano wrestling plus uh, freestyle. Uh, yeah. I've been doing BJJ for about a year when I moved into UK. And I had the pleasure feel the leg locks from the sambo from Vic Horsty. Mm. Um, here he's from Slough. Um, what would you say the uh, differences between them, those those kind of uh, thoughts of training or schools of training, and why do you stick with BJJ? Um, I think the di- I think probably the differences with them. I think must be the rules. I think it's the rule sets because in in judo you're not allowed to footlock. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like that. And Sambo, they feared for the leg locks. I uh, did a lot of training. My coach, Trevor, he was a, he's a Russian master of sport. Uh, Matt Klempner, again, Russian master of sport. So I had two big influences with the Sambo uh, in the early 90s. Um, before BJJ comps got popular here, there was a lot of Sambo up in the north. So you'd just go in and do those competitions just for the competition experience mm-hmm. and I trained in in judo with with Matt I got my um I got up to blue belt with the BJA where I was doing my degree mm-hmm. and the last year was so busy I just didn't have the time and sadly I've not got back I got back to it but I enjoyed the competition I did competitions I've done grading I've graded with the police because Matt was a defensive instructor for the police so I managed to get a a grading a two in with the Great Manchester Police. So that was um, an eye-opener, <laughs> to say the least. And then Trevor, he'd done freestyle wrestling as a, as a youth and catch wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I managed, very fortunate to train with Roy Wood from the Snake Pit and his daughter, Andrea. Um, so again, with Trevor and, and, and Roy and things, it was like introduction to the Nelsons and things like that, which... Um, you don't really see a lot of it in in BJJ. If you're a, mm-hmm. if you're a pure B 
BJJ. So you can <clears throat> having that cross cross training all different arts. You know, so a lot of the stuff in catch, if you do it in a BJJ comp, you'll get disqualified because mm-hmm. of the rule sets again. But I was training with Trevor and I trained over at uh, Atherton Submission Wrestling. They were a big part of my life. Um, you got guys like Darren Morris, um, Shane Rigby, Jack Mountford, um, all those type of guys, unbelievable skills. But it was known as Submission Wrestling. Mm-hmm. But then it was Atherton Submission Wrestling Club. Um, and again, heavily influenced from Jack Mountford, old school, uh, judo, judo master, catch wrestling. You've got Darren Morris, just an absolute beast. And you've got Shane Rigby, his freestyle wrestling. So it was quite a big, a big melting pot mm. of these different little techniques that I still catch people with today. Like with, like with the Nelsons, like you turn, turn people like, oh, oh what was that? You know, because it, it's not really what you class as a, you know, a BJJ move, you know. Mm. And... It's the mindsets as well, the train. I think the freestyle wrestling, very, very conditioned and they have a strong fighting spirit. You know, they don't give up. And same with the catch. They just go from one one to another the, the, and say the training. The Trevor was very tough and I was quite quite light. I was 80 kilos and I used to train at Atherton with this little Asian guy called uh, Icky. And we were both 80k. And then the next set of lads were like 95 onwards. And then you got Darren at the time, it was 100 plus, it was, it was massive. And all the 100 kilo guys would treat me and Icky like we were their weight. So there was no quarter given, you know what I mean? It, you, they went in hard, yeah? Right, but I remember my first experience with the wrestlers and it was frightening. Yes, Coming, yeah. coming as a karate person, stiff yeah. as a board. Although coming from a kind of Kyokushin background, and we're not as stiff as a traditional guy. But my God, when they grabbed me and I did a high throw, I found I put myself in a punch. But yeah, I took well, a lot of from it. Uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. yeah, it was the same. I was training with Trevor. I got my black belt. I've done a bit of groundwork. I thought, oh, yeah. And, then, and the Bolton Wrestling Club, there'd be a room upstairs and there'd be, say, Shane and Darren Morris and Jack. And... Um, Barry Scargill, Barry the Bastard. Um, he'd be there. Uh, loads of characters. Um, Phil Knight. And I remember Phil, uh, he, we were training. I thought, i would be all right here. And I got absolutely murdered off all of them. And I thought, what is this? You know, and I told Trevor, he just like, oh, no, laughed. Because <laughs> he, know, he, he knows them all. And that, and, but yeah, like you say, they, they get older, yeah tie you up in knots you know the, the wrestling and again like I say it's, it, it, it's a mindset you know, they're not into the rules of BJJ you can't do this you can't do that but it was foot locks um, heel hooks knee bars way before I started doing BJJ all the illegal stuff you can't do in a IBJJF competition it was fair game, face bars all day long, everything, everything. Mm. You know, so do, do it was a good think, learning curve. Do you think that BJJ um gonna head the way of uh, Greco-Romano wrestling and a um, judo with very narrow specification of the technique? So everything's gonna be ban, ban, ban. Till it's it's looking that way. Yeah, they do. They do say you can't do this technique or you can't do this 
this move. They're trying to say it's for the safety and things, but um, it could possibly, you know, they're trying to say they want to get it into the Olympics, but I, I don't see. I, I, think they're gonna I don't see how it could because it judo have had to take a lot of things out to make it more watchable for the general public. Now, if you have an adult black belt match in BJJ, it's 10 minutes. Hmm. And you'll probably see nine and a half minutes of them on the ground. One guy trying to pass guard, another defending. And they, because they're, te- they're technically so... Um, evenly matched. Evenly matched, that's it. So any mistake you know, can, can, um, can mean curtains for the opponent. So you sat watching a, te- a match for 10 minutes and they win by an advantage. There's no way that will get on television. It just... That's, it, that's the problem with the wrestling, I'm finding, that, you know, if you're a top player, you're just waiting for that one chance and it might take whole match. Yeah. And nobody does anything. That's not... Uh, that's exciting for the people who know are within the environment, but not for the general public. Yes, of course, yeah. For, for, the, for the BJJ fan, brilliant. But, yeah, somebody who's just sat on his couch <laughs> you know, with a few cams, they'd be saying... And, saying what's that and I used to referee BJJ and I'd just rather watch white belt matches mm. to be honest because they just the majority of them they just get stuck in and that, that's where you get a lot of the exciting matches you know but there's exciting matches across the board but but the higher up you go sometimes it, it you've won by an advantage and and it's seven six eight ten minutes so it's not going to make um the compulsive watching, really. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I I was watching your uh, interview with Mal, uh, Kudo Mal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, about your um, self-protection, uh, the precision self-protection um, adventure. And the one thing which strikes me, which I actually really liked, you've been telling this story when you've been mugged and um, you've been saying it as it is. What I'm finding with people from the self-protection and self-defense staff you rarely see people saying, oh, yeah, I just been hit in the head. I couldn't do anything. And that's the reality. You yeah. always kind of get them. Oh, I murdered this one. I yeah, yeah, fight no. both yeah. of this ones. Yeah. I'm super great. So it was kind of very refreshing for me to see a person <coughs> teaching self person saying, well, shit happens. Yes, you know? exactly. Exactly. I, I, I wanted to get the story across. Um, to say that the guy stood in front of me, he didn't know who I was or what my background was. He's a, he's a thief. He's probably a, a, he could be a drug addict. He's going, he's going out thieving to make money. So he's, he's probably not got a job. You know, he's done it before. You know, they're desensitised to violence, these type of people. You know, he's probably been a life of crime. So whilst me and you have been going to school, mm. you know, not to him per se, but for the violent offenders, you yeah, know, sure. when me and you were at school, they're not at school. They're bunking off whatever, getting into selling drugs or just getting into crime, you know, whilst we're going to bed, they might be getting beaten up by the parents, mm. you know, so by the time they, we leave school and get a job, they've graduated into higher crime and they've had beatings, they have gang fights and stuff like that, so they, they're desensitised to a lot of um, pain and abuse. You know, we're going about our daily jobs and stuff and we don't really dip our toes Mm. into that world so when you come face to face with with a guy like that you know he was stood he had tracksuit pants a hoodie mask across his face 
and from his body language, I knew he had a weapon. So I instantly assumed it was a knife. So you're confronted with that. It's 11 o'clock at night in the car park. There's no way, I couldn't run away because there's no entries into the flat because that was the next door flat. So I didn't have an access key. The walls to the side, they've got protective fence. So they're like 10, 12 foot. So I had to go, I had to face him and go through it. You know, there's no, I couldn't like run around the car. I was like um, a cartoon character and I'll admit it, you know, the adrenaline freeze hit me, which it would, you know, I'm not, um, just I think self-protection, I still react to um, what we what we teach about the physiological response. I still got it, yeah. I got a massive dump and I thought, oh shit. Inside, I'm like, oh my God. He's not speaking, he's just standing there. And like I said, I was, I'd finished a class. <laughs> I'd done a self-protection class. And I had a rucksack on my back. I, had a, I used to take a bag of boxing gloves in. Yeah. I've been to the shop, got some beer. So I've got all those on, on me. And I didn't have time to get the, I chucked my, my, my beers on the floor. <clears throat> but the bag, it had twisted round on my arm. So I couldn't get the bag off. So I'm, I'm stuck. And then he started moving towards me. I came out of the car, walked around to see so that gave me a distance so once the adrenaline freeze kicked in because it was a distance away i had a time to like come on mm-hmm. get on it you've got to, you've got to go through this guy yeah if i had not been a, um, aware of my surroundings i would have got out of the car just walked around as a little curb and i'd have been this close mm-hmm. in my face and i wouldn't have had time to get out of the freeze. You know, it's, it, it's gonna happen. You've just gotta, it's a switch off. Switching it off and getting getting in. So we we started swinging. I thought it, I just assumed it was a knife, you know? And we got into a tussle, got some strikes in, it's head butts in and some knees and stuff. So like, I kind of like dropped to the ground a bit. So I thought, right, I'll run into the middle car park, ditch my gear off and then get, Improper, but it was, it was a young kid, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm loaded down, I'm old and slow. <laughs> and then I just felt it on the head here. I just felt this like that. So it wasn't a knife. It, mm. I think it was a crowbar because we have um, lock up garages for the bikes yeah. and they're always getting broken into. And, you know, I drove to my car spot and he wasn't there because the lights are bright. And I think he might have just been hiding inside seeing which way I went, if I went the other way, maybe, you know, but it was, it was there, just one of those, just one of those things, you know, I got clunked on the head, dropped down to the floor, and then thankfully it was only one, one hit and he, he, he was off. So, um, yeah, so blood pouring out of my head, and <laughs> sat down and my missus come down, I said, where's my beers, you know, <laughs> so, I saved my beer, so so there's something positive from it. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's I was going to write an article on this attack because it covers everything that me and Gary talk about. You know, mm-hmm. pre pre fight fear, in fight, post fight, afterwards. You know, I was shook up. You know, I had a five stitches. It was down to the bone. You know, <clears throat> I'd have a scan and everything. You know, just because I teach. Um, Self-protection doesn't mean 
you know, like you just get over it. You know, it was a very traumatic event, you know, been bashed over the head and you know, it took me a while you know, to get the confidence back. You know, it's, it's um, a scurvy thing, but if it wasn't for my training, it could have ended up a lot worse, you know, mm. so that's the positives I take from it. And, you know, that's just, um, just the way it goes sometimes, just in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know? Yeah. Uh, which that brings me to a question which I usually ask. I'm going to motivate a little bit for you because you're not in karate. But um, how do you think the martial arts uh, have impacted your mental health? And the other, from other side, you've been on the side where you've been traumatized. How do you address in the self-protection environment uh, dealing with that trauma and mental health? Um, I think... Um... My training definitely, definitely helps my mental health. This being in the lockdown has been horrendous, you know, not being able um, to go out and get my training, you know, the feeling good from training and everything that um, comes with that, you know, seeing your students, having a drink afterwards, you know, going on competitions, you know, it, it, it it's a really positive um, outlook for mental health, you know. Um, I had a gym in Bolton years ago. The building we were in, there's a huge fire. There's multiple businesses and it burnt to the ground. And I was up and running six days later. Mm -hmm. So it was the, it was the martial arts that helped me. You know, I could, I could have sat down there and been sorry for myself and stuff, but with the discipline you get you know, from training and things like that, you know, and you can't sit and feel sorry for yourself. Yeah, you learn the overcoming obstacles, isn't it? Yes. Con yeah, yeah, constantly yeah. training. Yes. You've got a problem, yeah. you have to overcome it. <clears throat> That's it, yeah. Just like trying to work out how to pass somebody's guard. You know, you've got to work it out. You know, take trial and effort, trial and effort, and then you'll get there. You know, but it's no point. I see loads of people struggle. They can't pass somebody's guard for an It's a big common thing in jiu-jitsu. And you see them get frustrated, and then, you know, a lot of them... This, they stop training, you know, it's not easy, you know, you're trying to pass on this guard, the guard doesn't want you to do it. So you've got, you've got to be, you know, you're doing karate. He's trying to kick you in the head. You're trying to do the same, you know, so you've got to work, work with ways to um, misdirect the, the karate guy so you can get in with a strike and similar with a, a, a submission, you know, mate, threaten them with one submission so they'll think that well they should react and move to this position and that's where you get them you know like they say it's a game of chess you know like two you, you you're looking for the second move to catch them not the first mm -hmm. you know? and a lot of the skills you can apply like you say to everyday life you know the pressures of um just living you know getting a house and mortgage and not working problems out and things like that you know so um, what was the second one you said about uh, how how do you um, kind of introduce overcoming trauma and kind of mental issues? Because people coming to you for self protection, they uh, uh, probably had something happen to them. Yeah. How, how do you overcome? I had a lady last week um, talking about the uh, female self defense. She's running classes, and how many barriers she got from from women that have to think all the time about you know we don't we as men don't think. We're going outside, we're going to think that somebody's going to try to rape us in a car, car park yeah. where I'm going to park. 
um, how do you kind of um, help people to overcome the mental health issues within the self-protection training? Um, well, I've had people come to me say that they've had a, a traumatic in incident. Yeah, or even with BJJ, you know, they, they, mm. they, they, they want to learn to defend themselves, you know. Um, <clears throat> the first thing I'll say to them is that the bravest thing that you've done is coming up the stairs into the gym. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the first thing, overcoming that, you know. Um, especially for women, you know, it can be intimidating. You, you either go upstairs into a gym or go down into a gym and they say, 15 guys uh, rolling around and stuff, and it, it, it can look quite intimidating. So especially with the women, I, I, I just I'll go over and have a chat and just say, you've made the most, um, one of the most important things you've done is actually turn up to the gym, mm -hmm. you know, and find out what's happened, you know, and then we say, just I'd say, keep coming to training and said, You'll feel good about yourself. You will get confidence. Um, and just keep, um, just keep turning up. Keep turning up to class. You know, you get the feel-good endorphins, don't you know, from a good class. Um, and in time, you know, I've seen people come down and they walk a bit like this, you know, very withdrawn because they've, they've, they've been beaten up or whatever, they've been mugged or whatever, you know. And then within a month, no, the cracking jokes with the rest of the mm. uh, team, and I think it, it it really impacts positively on on like I say on on your mental health. Just the team, the team dynamics, the team cohesion. They're making friends, and you know I always tell my students when you see a new person, be friendly to them. Just think how you felt when you walked in on your first class. It can it can be intimidating. It's a match. You know you big guys like that, and so. Can be an intimidating environment for men as well as women. You know, if, if you're a, a smaller guy and you've been um, that um, physical harm done to you, you know, it can be um, quite a daunting place. But you know, if you have a welcoming, nurturing environment in the gym, you can see them progress and they get the confidence. You know, and I say once once you're a lot more confident, your body language changes. Mm -hmm. So if you're outside for a, a, a predator, you know, <clears throat> they look they look for an easy target. So you see people change from like, no, the head down and that, and then they're up and confident. The mugger or whatever, they'll they'll take a look at them, they'll they'll be eyeing up an easy target. And if you look confident and a lot bigger just by standing up straight, you know, you, you can raise your height by an inch or two, you know. And did, Research shows when they interview muggers. I have friends who are in the police and they say, why did you do that? I said, it was an easy target. Mm -hmm. You know, so we talk about target hardening, you know, making yourself a, not an easy target. And a lot of it just posture, body, the way you hold yourself and having the self-confidence, you know, and that, that, can, that can get you out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah. Everybody wants an easy job within the mugger, isn't it? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. They want the they want the person who's walking down the street with a head, with their earphones on, looking plain, whatever, on the phone and totally unaware of the surroundings. You know, see it on the doors. Easy pickings. A guy comes out or a woman out of the out of the club into the kebab shop. Mm -hmm. 
they can hardly stand up. They walk around the corner. Five minutes later, they come to the front door. They've got a burst lit. The phone's gone, or the wallet. And they say, oh, oh, they just came out of nowhere. And we said, look, we saw the guys walk around. Mm. You know, they, 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 they just pick on, like you say, they pick on the easy pickings. So that's what we try and do with the, the PSP. We emphasise a lot of what we call the soft skills. Like we, you've seen, like um, awareness and avoidance, um, having the mind, having a, the right mindset in yourself, understanding the body's reaction to when mm-hmm. it all goes wrong. You've missed, you've missed certain cues. You've tried uh, de-escalating, you know. Then I talk about the preemptive strike and what happens afterwards. Like I say, the post-fight fear, and just say it's perfectly natural to feel that way after the incident. You know, I think a lot of, um, I've been to a lot of classes and they'll just say, do this, do this, do this. That, and I block and I strike. And they, they don't tell you what's happened for it to get to that position mm-hmm. with me. I think a lot of, there's a lot of cues that are missed to when somebody's really in your face. Mm-hmm. But unless you're walking down a really dark alley and somebody jumps out on you, yeah, you don't have time for a, a conversation or stuff like that, you know, that's a different kettle of fish. But a lot of um, confrontations that they've seen you before you see them and say, right, he'll do, she'll do, you know. So that's what we place a lot of emphasis on, you know, the hard skills. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you need to strike and strike hard. But um, if you just be switched on and you can be under yards down the road and you see something that you don't like, you can either cross the road or turn around and, and go go another way. It might take you 20 minutes longer to get home, but you're not in that situation. And so that that, that plays um, a huge part in self-protection, like looking after yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that uh, you are a, uh, you've got a degree in sports science. Um, I do, yeah. How do you uh, translate a skill of teaching sports into teaching self-protection. Do you see um, crossovers? Yes, or... yeah, yeah, we did. We did sports science and coaching. So we did we did the sports science side of it, did the fitness and nutrition and testings and things like that. But what interested me was the psychology, sports psychology. And I think that helps uh, specifically in um, team cohesion. Mm-hmm. Um, did a we did a module on that how teams form the stages of um, team forming and how it <clears throat> how it benefits any type of group whether it's football netball and things and I think that's really helped me look into getting a, creating a good team you know you get mm-hmm. you get the good team dynamics everybody's working together. You get everybody motivated, what language to use, what not to use, you know. Um, there's that, the sports psychology, like mental toughness and things. Um, that really helps with the self-protection side, you know, getting the getting the right frame of mind, you know, because a lot of it's psychological, you know. I think most people, they don't want to do... Uh, violent things you know me and you and the students you know it's it, it it's not natural 
know, to want to go out and stick a screwdriver in somebody just for for a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. To do that, it, it, it takes it takes it takes a lot to like physically stab somebody, you know. But like I tell, like I said to you before, we try and educate what it's like in the the mind of the attacker. So you've got to see where they're coming from, mm-hmm. you know. And you see that, and you see it with like, oh, I, I can't punch this, I can't do this, you know. But sometimes you might have to stick your fingers in the guy's eyes, mm-hmm. you know, maybe pop an eye out. You know, how far do you have to go to get rid of it? And then go, oh, I can't do it. And you have to say, you have to. It's in. It's within you. So you've got to slowly build up that confidence and the intent. For when you're going to strike, it's you've got to physically hurt these people. You know, give them a, a hurting injury, you not know, to stop them because they're going to be adrenalised and things. So, and then you have to get the drills and stress drills to give them the confidence. And once you see, <clears throat> once you see somebody that was a bit hesitant, once you see you get the confidence, you know, you see them hitting the pads and getting stuck in. You know, it's it, it's it, it's really good as a as a teacher to see that. Hmm. You know, they can. They can switch it on when when needed. It, it is very difficult. We, we, uh, in, in in karate, which I'm revolving in, is more uh, kind of Ian Abernathy stuff and, and orientated. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, more towards uh, self protection. I personally don't teach self defense, self protection. I avoid using those terms because I think they are misleading in what I teach. Um, but um, I think John Teachin, who specializes in self protection uh, from karate and and his own dart program. Uh, ask the question really as an instructor and teaching people to do physical harm how would you answer the question could you kill person or maim or really harm if you defended yourself and i thought about it and honestly i don't have a clue i don't know if i would be able to push myself to actually you know do the huge harm or make somebody disabled or kill them um i can't even imagine I've been in a few fights, but you know, yeah. it's a youngster fighting, to, so it's more like a tournament fighting instead of being attacked. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's, I think that's a very difficult question to answer, isn't it? Oh, I think so. Yeah. You people say, oh, I'll do this and I'll do that. And well, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll wipe this guy out and everything. You no, know, it, I think it's it, it goes against a lot of people's moral codes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's not often you have your life on your line, so you you, you, you know you have to try and uh, teach people. You know, it's re- it's the appropriate response to the threat that's against you. Mm-hmm. You, know, you see a pub fight and you think that's violence. You know it's not real violence. It's on the spectrum of violence. What I call the spectrum. A bit lower down. It's just normally two blocks, usually two men fighting. It's clash of egos. Mm. Bit of pushing, peacocking, fucking do you. Few punches, a flat lip. They go off, and then next thing, this guy's got a reputation as a as a street fighter. Yeah. You know? yeah. But then there's the other level, like we say, you know, violent sexual assault and stuff like that. You know, and your life depends on it. Mm. You know? And with that kind of that that level of violence, it will freeze. It'll freeze everybody. You will get the adrenaline freeze. It. it, it I've been in. Mass fights at work, you know, we've had bricks thrown at us, petrol bombs, all kinds of stuff. It's been absolutely horrendous. And I've put somebody down with my strongest punch and they just get back up again. Mm. You know, like a Terminator, 
Yeah. And then hit them again and they've got back up. And I'm like, oh my God, what, what, what do I do? And it's the adrenaline. He's probably, he'll have felt it in the morning, but I, most doubtedly, you know, then the police turn up. They've got the spray out. They sprayed this guy, nothing. Five or six guys to get him in the van. And they're the thin panels of the van and he's punching the walls of the van and you can see like a cartoon of his fist indent. And they said, we'll just la- we'll have to leave him in the van till he calms down. Hmm. You know, that, pro- that probably would some some dr- use of drugs and... and yes, oh, and it, yeah, it, 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 the guy, the guy with that, oh, it, it brushed, like we were trying to restrain him for the police. It was four or five of us. I'm, I'm quite white. Oh, my doorman friends are like 40, 15 stone, big, big lads. And he just, that just brushes off. No, uh, it's frightening. If, if you've never witnessed it, it's 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 terrifying because you think, God, I'm going to have to snap a, a joint or do some serious serious physical harm, maybe kill the person. You know, when they just keep getting up and all these people, well, I do this, I do that. No, they did. In my opinion, no, they've not been in serious mm. serious fights, and you don't. A lot of people don't see that in a club. And because they're busy on the dance floor, having a good time, you know, having a dance and having a drink, chatting up girls and boys and stuff, and then you know, you having to deal with it on the front door, you know, they don't see it. And same with the police, you know, you don't see a lot of what the bad stuff they have to deal with. Yeah, you know? one one of my students uh, who went to uh, be a prison guard, yeah, a prison officer, and and now he's moved to to police, and he said, you know, um. Some things we've been doing in karate was useful to him, but he said that 90% of stuff, it doesn't relate at all. Yeah. Because the, the, the things he was exposed to is just so random and it's just unpredictable. You wouldn't come up with some things happening on a dojo floor. Yeah. Because every, everybody is thoughtful. Everybody's in the right frame of mind. When you get That's people it. in adrenaline, you don't know what they're going to do. No, the adrenaline, the adrenalized, the the life of crime, the desensitized, they're not, they don't respect the badge, they don't respect the officer. Um, they might have mental health issues as well, you know, they, they, um, which exacerbate, exacerbate the situation. Then the mind's altered chemically or alcohol, mm. you know, they put, throw all that into the mix, you know, and, you know, it's difficult for the police, you know, they're not allowed to do this lock and they're not allowed to do that. And they, the guys are adrenalised, you know, the courts, you know, the police, oh, you should have done this, should have done that. No, they should take the magistrates out mm. at the weekend and see what they have to put up with. Yeah. The deal. It's very difficult when you've got somebody hyper and adrenalised to bring them down with something very soft. Mm. You know, you, they, they're not listening to you. All the talking, the escalating, they they. they they're not even hearing it, you know, because the, the hearing's gone and stuff like that. You know, they're just in, like I said, they're just in a rage. It's very difficult not to use force to get them in, like to get them cuffed up or something like that, you know. I've, I think this is a problem across every um, life. Um, how do you say it? In every work, I used to put up marquees for a living, yeah? Yeah. Now we've got a lot of health and safety stuff from people who never work one day on the field yeah. saying that you should be doing this like this, yeah. but it's physically impossible to do it the way you want to. Yeah. Yeah. I, totally so I, think, 
I think everybody who's working for setting any rules should spend at least a month in a field dealing with stuff. And it's as well for martial arts yeah. and, and self-protection. Just go and do it, and then we can talk about rules. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've said that a lot. We used to get... We'd work the club at the weekend, and then Monday morning, the phone calls are coming in. Oh, my little, my little Billy has been beaten up by the domino. He's had the slap, and he would never do anything like this. He'd never do anything like that. You know, and you should say, well, bring the parents down. And not necessarily see the sun in action, but mm. stand on a stand on a door. Mm. Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday night, and see the level how it starts at seven, eight o'clock, and then it's all night as I used to work like <clears throat> six o'clock at night till six in the morning, and you just see like morality just go. You know, as you get to two, three o'clock, you know people are drink and drugs and stuff and then everything just slowly disintegrates the longer mm. you're out and they should see that you know they should go and see you know before they're quick to criticize yeah there's bad doormen out there no i have no problem with that you know but they do a vital job i've always said if if the doorman's ever the doorman ever had a union mm. you know they said right well we're all going on strike you know half the people wouldn't go out mm. No, it'd just be law. It'd be just lawless. No, no. It's enough to look on uh, how much struggle teachers got, plus mm. add, add to it alcohol and drugs, and you yeah. can imagine um, how difficult your job is on on uh, managing people in any any way and form is difficult. Yeah. And drunk people and drug people when they don't listen and don't want to follow and don't want to do anything, exactly. it's super, yeah. super difficult. It and is. For, for me, as a parent, I think, you know, I would think that my son would never do things like that. But I'm fully aware that, you know, I've been doing stupid things that my parents would never think that I'm going to do. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, all, we all have. Yeah. So, so saying by definition, oh, he definitely haven't done it. It's, it's kind of stepping the, into the fairy land. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, what do you thinking about, think about, um, you are now in self-protection. Um, so I presume that you've got a very limited spectrum of techniques. Uh, I use the, I don't want to uh, brush everybody into it, but uh, my neighbor is a Krav Maga instructor and um, spear instructor. Really nice guy, um, really thoughtful as well. And he said that um, the Krav Maga problem is that it's becoming a martial arts business. So their spectrum of techniques going Bigger, 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 and bigger. So you can have yeah. a instructor of this, instructor of this, belt, 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 and it's turning into be a martial arts business. Is that something which comes with a success and getting into, I want to make money on it, or is it just a natural evolution that you want to keep your students busy? Yes, it's, um, it's a big one. If you're, you're trying to teach like a combatives kind of thing, you, you, you you want techniques that are gross motor skills because that's mm. what you're left with when the shit hits the fan and the adrenaline's going. The, ho the Hollywood stuff that you see teachers, I've always stood by this, it doesn't work. Mm. It won't work on somebody adrenalized, hyped up, drinking drugs, reasoning, and then you're feeling the same as well. You know, under stress, it's very difficult to 
do a strike and then turn and then do this and do that. It has to be simple and fast to overwhelm the threat that's in front of you so you can get them deal with the threat that's in front of you. And sadly, students, a lot of people, they switch off. You know, they want to see or do all the fancy stuff, which I think is fine. I don't mind, but, you know, it's not going to help you when it kicks off. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's understanding the dynamics of a violent attack, how it builds up and how you react to it. You know, all, a lot of your fancy stuff, it will, it will go out of the window. I, I did my second one with Trevor and my disengagements from various things. I think I did about 85 to 90. Mm-hmm. And strikes, punches, and I've been on the doors 25 years. I've probably used four or five things. But it's good to have that depth of technique, but I wanted to know what worked in a life situation because I was teaching jiu-jitsu, you know. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to know what works in a life situation. So you either become a doorman or you go out and drink and start fights, you know, and then you're going to lose your liberty. Mm-hmm. You know, more times you're drinking and stuff, you can lose your liberty as a doorman, but you know, I wanted to see what works. You know, and I've, I've felt it when it's been in. You, you, you feel like it's like say it's time slows, like in slow motion. I'm like, am I, am I really hitting him? You know, it, it's a very, very strange feeling. You know, and so to do really complicated movements, they they go out of the window. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people probably dislike that. Yeah, they're in it to make money. You know, but. No, myself and Gary, we, we, we've got 50 years frontline experience of our door work and military work for Gary's side. And no, we just want to teach our students like the reality, not so much. It's all technique, technique, but more <clears throat> the soft skills. Because you can have a, you can have a devastating knockout punch. You know, I've worked with some top guys. And some guys in been in the face shouting and screaming, effing and swearing and screaming, and the fight drains out of them. You know, so what's the our argument is like the no point having all these good strikes if you're not used to the adrenaline dump and you oh and everything shut everything shuts down. Sure. You know? Um, so you've been working on uh, on the doors. You are a, you've been competitor in in BJJ, and you've been uh, attacked uh, in your personal life. Do you think that you've got the free Gary's packed up, free Gary's mindset packed up in you? So I presume you are completely in different awareness when you stay on the door, because you know that something gonna kick off all the time. Yeah. On a competition, you've got the mindset, I have to win, I'm focused on this. Yeah. But then you, I suppose, need to have a break from that everything. And do you think that you're a little bit switched off um, in your personal life, so maybe not so aware? And how does that work for you? For you? I'm pretty much switched on all the time, to be honest. You know, um, what gets me through, yeah, I'll, I'll be, it's nice to be sat in the house, but if I hear something, I'll, like, I'll, I'll look out. I'm always mm. in that preparedness because of working, like I say, working the doors. Mm. You know, I, I didn't go into it. it. 
I get doormen coming in and they've got earrings in and a watch and a rings and slip-on shoes and I'll say, just say go home. You know, you know, you you know, used to me with all this. You know, we, we're here to do a serious job. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to keep people safe, and it does trans. It does spill over. You go out with my partner. I'm always looking, looking where the exits are. And people will, people will know what I'm talking about. Um, even in my kitchen, I don't sit with my back to the kitchen door. Mm-hmm. You know, and. My partner at first said, oh, God, what are you doing? You're in the flat and everything. I said, I know, but it's, it's it just becomes a habit. And I've met coppers that are like that and uh, military people. You know, it's just, a again, it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, not, it's not paranoia, but it, it, it just through working the doors and you think, is it going to kick off tonight? So you, you can't be switched off, you know, and doing the jujitsu, doing the boxing and the striking, that's my outlet. Mm-hmm. You know, for all that know what, there's a lot, lots of nights where you're working and it nearly kicked off. You've had the guy in your face and your, your adrenaline's been up, but nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. And then you're back down again and you get somebody else in your face, you know. Uh, that's um, really tiring. It is, it is. And you're up all night because the adrenaline's going. Oh, so you'll drink some beers and things and then, then the next day it's, I've got to get in the gym just to get that energy, to get the energy out. So um, <clears throat> even when the guy confronted me in the car park, I wasn't switched off mm-hmm. as such. Yeah, because you, not, you noticed that, you know, you parked yeah. properly, you look around, you spotted yeah. him. So. That's it. I said to my students, I said, <laughs> on the night it happened, I said, be aware of your surroundings. And So when I park up, I always walk around my car because mm-hmm. I say it's like a gauntlet just to get through to the main car park. Mm-hmm. And there's parked cars as well. So I'm always looking left, right, any, anything for an ambush. You know, you can't be complacent. But it wasn't there when I drove and parked the car up because I got out, I put my rucksack on, got my beer and my boxing gloves. That would have been a perfect opportunity when I was mm-hmm. distracted to be ambushed. Yeah. You know, so I walked around, like I say, <clears throat> But I had the distance, you know, to overcome the adrenaline dump, you know. So yeah, it, it's it's um, it's what we're trying instilling people is just like with the color codes. You want to be in code yellow, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, just going out to your, <clears throat> me, going out to the tube in London. You know, it's it, it, it's busy. You know, I live in a really busy, busy town in London, and. I've, I've, I've done it. I've gone to a new place and I've had to put something in my map and I'm thinking, oh God, I, should, I shouldn't really be looking, but I'll have a quick look and then keep looking around. It, 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 it takes practice. Mm-hmm. But obviously Gary got his from his military in the door. I got mine from the doors of the, you no know, staying, staying, just, just switched on, just staying alert of your surroundings. And I've been out in my hometown or wherever I've been. I've been out with my friends, I'll say, right, come on, it, excuse me, it's time to go. I said, it's going to kick off. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, no, we'll have another drink. I said, no, I said, we're going now. Just so we get to the door, boom, oh, you hear the table going over, broken bottles and two people fighting and then say, wow, how did you, how did you know that was happening? Like it's a, 
a magic skill. Well, as I said, it, it just just through working. Mm. You know, you read situations. You know, yeah, I'm relaxed. I met my partner. I'm friends. I'm having a good time. But you, you're just just mindful of mm-hmm. what's going on in in um, <clears throat> in the room. Like I say, where's, where's the nearest exit? Stuff like that. It's simple simple things that you can put into your daily life that can help. You know, it's like I say, awareness and avoidance. You know, those are the two. I think two keys, two key concepts to have in your mindset, you know. It's funny because I was just going to ask you, what are the three main rules you would recommend to normal people to stay switched on? And you just said two of them. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are the main ones, yeah. Awareness, being aware of your surroundings, that's that's the key. I think I wrote a little article. I think awareness comes before avoidance. Because mm-hmm. you can't avoid something if you're not aware of it, if there's four four kids with hoodies on, they might be lovely young children, mm. yeah. But with the society the way it is, and you, you get conditioned, or oh, there's four youth there. Sadly, yeah, they they could mug you, mm-hmm. you know. And you've got to think like that. I think right. Well, I'll say it. There's a gang gang kids on the corner. I will I will cross over. And then if the, one of them crosses over, then you think, right, yeah, well, you know, you've made the right choice. If nothing happens, they walk past, brilliant. You can you can cross over, be on your journey. There's nothing nothing wrong. But if you do cross over and you see them following you, you think, right, well, I've got maybe 10 seconds before they catch up to me to get over the adrenaline dump so you can ramp up and you can get ready. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you walk past them, they could just put your hand on. They could put hand on your chest. Where are you going? Yeah. You know, we're taxing you. We want your form. We want it. And you, oh, that. Whilst you're talking, somebody's walked around behind you. Bang! Sniped you. You know, so you've walked right into that because you're not aware of it. Sure. You know what I mean. So the, I think awareness is the is the key. Aware of your surroundings. You know. No, it sounds like it sounds like you're teaching people to suck eggs. Just don't take the shortcut home. Don't go down that back street, you know. But you have a skin full of beer, like you say, your reasoning goes out. Yeah. Ah, I'm pissed. I'll go on this way, and, and you're walking into <clears throat> potential trouble zones, you know. So I'm not saying like live like a monk and stuff, but mm-hmm. that's why we call it self protection. You're protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, say a lot of people I do well if you defend self-defense, if you're defending, you're already losing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the I'd say that's the key thing is just being aware of your surroundings. Look 1500 meters down down the line. What's <clears throat> what's he got on? Look, where are the hands? Mm-hmm. Yes, it could be winter, they've got the hands in the pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it's 10 o'clock at night and they've got the hand in the pocket and it's warm, you think, what have they got in there? You know, they've got a knife, they've got a blade, or a, a screwdriver, a syringe, you know, any anything. You know, you, you don't know, you don't know what's out there. And yeah, it's not a nice that everybody you look at, you just treat them that that they're not a nice they're not a nice person. But the majority of people, you'll see them walking in a park, you think, yeah, they're okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just, just that it, 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 it's a it's a very, very good skill to have. I think if you're aware, you can get out of that situation. Hopefully, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Could you um, tell us where we can find information? I know you started a BJJ channel. Um, where are uh, precision self-protection uh, yeah. website and stuff? Can you list everything you want to share? And I okay, yeah, no, thank you, yes. Um, ooh, let's see. Um, we start with Precision Self-Protection. That's the channel name on YouTube, Precision Self-Protection. You can go on there, subscribe, ring the bell, do everything that they say, like and share the videos. <laughs> um, the website is pspcombatives.com. Um, lots of information going on there. Those are the two main things. Um, me and Gary are on that. I have a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu channel, Wimbledon Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Again, subscribe. Um, my website for my club is wimbledonbjj.com. Um, I teach in Wimbledon in the week and on a monthly, I do an open mat on a Saturday afternoon, 1.30. So that's usually open to BJJ, martial arts people, yourself, your students, I'm trying to get more of the traditional martial arts in to the to the gym and we can <clears throat> we can train everything. If, if you're karate, other people from traditional jiu-jitsu, Shirinji Kampo come to the gym. Um, karate guys and friends that do karate, they come down and We'll share techniques, we'll get the pads out. I've got body armor suits on, we can get stuck in and just share techniques. So that's, I've said that in the other interviews, that's the offers the when everything gets back to normal, hopefully in the summer. Oh, that would be, be interesting. I'm, I'm looking into um, getting back into uh, BJJ because I had to take a break. I was, like I said, I was done it for a year. Yeah. So very, very basic. I, I'm not, I'm nobody in the BJJ. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to in getting back to it. So I'm yeah. going to be visiting you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, you're more than welcome to say B BJJ is not the be and end all for self-protection. You've got the end, mm. the age-old argument, like the pressure pot, oh, does BJJ work in the street? And they said, no, it's sports jiu-jitsu. But some things work. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, is neon belly. A position called neon belly. You get two points for it in a comp. But I've used it. I've took a guy down and you can control them, get them on the side so they don't um, succumb to positional asphyxiation. You know, instead of, you see these things, you know, the police arrest them, don't they? they? One guy gets on top, so it's compressing the chest. So they start panicking. Mm -hmm. So they get another person piles on and they, it compresses. And, you know, you've seen it in, in, in the States. You know, these people lose their lives. You know, could they panic? It, it, it's a panic. But... <clears throat> The way I've taken them down, I said, I'll take them down, say, or, or, or sort of Gary, and I'll put them on the side. So it's like a recovery position kind of yeah. thing. But I've got the neon belly, it frees my hands. I can take a look around to see if he's got any friend, or get the radio to say, well, get, get the police, or get mm. call for uh, other people. So that's a, one of the main things from BJJ. Pulling reverse Della Riva on a nightclub dance floor when it's kicking off. No, <laughs> no. So it, it's totally different. But the open mats, I'm a traditional martial artist beginning when I got into BJJ. I just want, um, I turned 50 last year and the plan was to get all my friends who I've known for years in martial arts, all different styles, all just, just training together. You know, mm. you can karate, you show some karate. I've not done karate for ages. I have a... One of my students is a blue belt, Satinda, he's a fifth dan in karate, came to the club, put a white belt on, 
black band mentality, you know. Mm. That's what I like about him and the other people. I've got friends, <coughs> students, sorry, they do Wing Chun, they do Krav Maga. You know, they've been training it for years and they put on the white belt and they'll learn the BJJ. And when we do, a, like I say, an open mat, they'll show me stuff. You know, from the Wing Chun and things, and it's all, it, 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 it's just all good. All good learning. <laughs> Thank you, Carl, for your time. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I'm going to put all the links uh, down below. No problem. No, it's been a pleasure. It's been uh, a little bit different um, from my normal interviews, with you being from a karate background and the mental health, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. <laughs>